I'm Liz with TeachStone, and this is Teaching with Class. Today, I'm reaching out to the experts to answer your questions around challenging behaviors. Hi, Mary Margaret. How are you doing? I'm doing well. Thanks for joining us and being a brave first participant of our new podcast. <laughs> I'm glad to be here. Well, before we start, can you introduce yourself a little bit? Sure. My name is Mary Margaret Gardner, and I have been in the field of early care and education since 1976. And I started out as a teacher, and I've done lots of different things. Um, I was a teacher for um, infants, toddlers, kindergarten. I also was a director, an area director for a private nonprofit. I've worked with Head Start, Early Head Start, um, quality rating improvement system, lots of work with um, AUIC, and landed at TeachStone about seven years ago and have been working with TeachStone on uh, helping people understand the class since then. All right, well, let's get started. The first concern comes from Alyssa. So we have our center staff complain that children are disrespectful toward their parents, teachers, and peers. They are concerned the parents have little control over their children. There's no accountability, instant gratification, empty threats, no boundaries, no discipline in the home. Although the staff try to partner with the parents, there is little follow-through on the parents' part. Hmm. It would be great if we didn't have to deal with parents, but that's I'm saying that tongue-in-cheek. Yeah. Parents are the first and best, really, or the most effective teachers, and sometimes what they're communicating to their kids isn't always um, in support of the children's uh, moving forward and their self-regulation skills or social skills um, you know let, but I don't want to beat up on parents they have it's tough imagine yeah. that you go you know you have an eight-hour job you have to drop your child off in the morning you work eight hours you pick them up and then you got to take them home and get dinner and we're plugged in we're plugged in and, and it's really hard I don't know what we can well I, I have an idea of what we can do to support parents but the other thing I want to encourage people to think about is that let's say we can't change our parents behaviors mm -hmm. and I hope we can but let's say we can't the moments that we have with our children in our classrooms for the time we have them can help with regulating behavior. Mm -hmm. They can understand the rules. And in fact, the kids that push the heart of senior classroom are the ones that are probably asking for those boundaries more than anybody mm -hmm. else. So, you know, we can only do the best we can in the classroom. And we know that um, research is showing us that a lot of the work that we've done around class, especially with infants and toddlers, is based on parent-child interactions, but it translates to that caregiver role or that teacher role. Mm -hmm. And having somebody that is connected to you, that is interested in you, that gives you a safe place with understandable boundaries and limits, that a child is going to, do, is going to respond really positively to that. Going back to parents, it's about relationships. And so with the class, we really look at connecting with children, right? But you can do that with adults, too. And until those parents mm -hmm. trust you enough to listen to you, mm -hmm. they build that relationship like you're taking care of my child. And so you become the teacher becomes that first line of parenting support. And I don't know that we always recognize that. Mm -hmm. So when they're coming in complaining that their child is, you know, didn't sleep all night, that's a beautiful opportunity to start talking about um, sleep habits and what's going on at home and noticing if a child's having a particularly hard time, asking the parent if they can talk about it instead of blaming the parent. Mm -hmm. And we often want to blame the parents. Um, and, you know, I don't think anybody goes into teaching or parenting saying, 
gosh, I hope I do a terrible job at this. Right, right. <laughs> they really are trying to do the best. And maybe, you know, they've had diminished parenting as well. Sure. So we're looking at, you know, these cycles going on. Modeling that, that behaviors for them. Yeah, exactly. So it's hard. I mean, you know, we were laughing a little while ago about both of us being parents and um, how hard it is. And I was a parent. I had my daughter when I was 40, and I had been in the field for a very long time. And guess what? I still made mistakes, and I probably oh, yeah. still do. And I'm sure she'd be glad to talk about them. But, I say you know, I was a better parent before I had kids. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. I'm going to remember that one. That's great. Because, <laughs> you, you know, you think, well, I'll never be the parent that gives them oh, a yeah. device to play with, or I'll never be the parent that lets them eat that junk food, you know, yeah. whatever. Ice cream um, for breakfast is reasonable in my mind yeah. at the beach. Right? And then, you know, <laughs> instant gratification sometimes is, is the easier Sure it is. Yeah. That that uh, tantrum in the grocery store is a lot easier to stop when they get the candy, yeah. I, for sure. So, you know, going back to sort of how you would think about parent relationships and teacher relationships, I'd go back to the basics of class. So being an emotionally supportive, really what like being sensitive to what's going on with that parent um, and, and developing that personal social conversation relationships, you know, give them your full respect. Use a warm content. Put your feet in their shoes. Mm-hmm. You know, if you've got a particularly difficult child, and we have them, mm-hmm. um, you know, what is it like for that parent to parent that child? And when you open the door up that way, they begin to have that trust so that when you maybe have a piece of advice or a suggestion, they might try it. Mm-hmm. What about this piece, the children are disrespectful toward their parents? Do you see it as the teacher or... or director or somebody's role to step in in that scenario or if it's simply between the student and parent you step out so having managed um, large childcare in uh, multiple childcare I found that the most effective thing that I could do was to provide parent support in a different way and not in that moment because mm-hmm. nobody wants to hear that you're doing a bad job in that moment mm-hmm. but you might say in a newsletter or parent workshops let's talk about back talk or mm-hmm. how to, you know, how to speak so kids will listen. So you can provide, uh, we did newsletters, we did parent nights, we had potlucks where there was, uh, or round bag where the subject was something about child development. Mm-hmm. And that was really well responded to. And parents are looking for that. Mm-hmm. They want that support. Yeah. And it's often great if you can do it around an activity so it's not quite so... Um, therapeutic is what it is but I wouldn't want to call it that but um, I know I did some parenting programs in um, Charlottesville and we would do it we would do laundry together and people would just talk or you know make a quilt or work on Easter baskets together with parents so that when you're having that shared activity and then that conversation has that flow again that's building that relationship and you can really throw some great tidbits of child development right in there and it feels less of a personal affront or attack at that point it's just a conversation about how hard parenting is one of my other lives was um Mm -hmm. as a a home visitor Mm -hmm. working with families at risk for child abuse and neglect and so that's what i I would go in the home and i would establish relationships with these parents and you know sometimes it was just about how you plan meals Mm -hmm. Um, and then in that conversation as we're going through you know, flyers for the grocery store, the child comes in and exhibits a certain behavior, I might model how to respond to that, and then that parent sees that, and then we have that conversation. So it, mm-hmm. so much of it isn't situational, but 
I mean, you can go and just tell everybody how they need to do something, and they're going to look at you, and <laughs> they're going to give you the, you know, I don't think so. Well, what do you know? And yeah. so I think that that building of respect and showing respect for parents um, hopefully will get them to be more respectful of us. Mm. Excellent. Don't worry, we have more answers to your questions. I've also brought in class expert Kate Klein. Hi, Kate. Hi, Liz. Thanks for joining for our very first Teaching with Class podcast. It's very exciting. Can you take a second and tell all of our community members a little bit about yourself? Sure. Um, right now I'm working as a class specialist. I go out and about and do trainings and I also support coaches who are working on our um, my teaching partner program and class-based coaching. I also have been a classroom teacher, a preschool director, a college level teacher, a family child care provider trainer. So in addition to being a coach myself, so I've seen the early childhood world from a lot of different angles. Well, we have lots of questions. Um, so I'm going to dive right in and ask you one of our first questions if you're ready. Sure. Right. So. What are a few things teachers can do with a new student to get things off on the right foot? We have a lot of teacher and student turnover, which makes building and maintaining relationships hard. Mm, that's yeah. a, a good one. Yeah, that's a great question. I think I see two different uh, things going on there, or I hear two different things going on there. One is uh, teacher to child, and then another is sort of teacher to teacher with teacher turnover. In terms of things, Things that teachers can do with new children as they come in the classroom, I would, my suggestions are the fairly typical things that I, I'm thinking that people mostly do, but it's worth mentioning. So getting to know them and their families, mm. taking pictures of them with their families, learning about them from their parents. What do they like to do? What are their favorite things to do at home? Their favorite toys, their favorite things to eat? What are they, um, how do they express their needs if they're old enough to do that? You know, those kinds of things where the, the teacher is taking the first cue from the family and getting to know the child and then spending time with the child, getting to know them, interacting with them in a play situation, taking their lead and finding out what interests that child. Um, spending time talking with them so that they know that you're caring and you're interested in them so that they can build their sense of trust in you as a person they can turn to for help when they need it. Um, children who are new to classrooms often find themselves a little lost at first, and we're all familiar with that, right? They don't know the routines. They don't know the expectations. And so taking the time to get to know them as a person, in addition to showing them where things are and how we do things around here and being very specific in teaching those expectations about where we put things, where we stand, where we move, how we move, and in a, a comfortable teaching way, that's kind of like, hey, this is, this is how we do this around here. Uh, you're new to our, to our community here, and we want to make sure everybody knows um, how, we, how we live together here in our classroom. And so this is how we take care of each other, or this is how we um, work together. Those kinds of things help to establish that relationship. Often there's a, at least a few who are willing to be the person who looks after the new person. And I think on the other side of things too, with teacher turnover, it's just as important to build a relationship with a new teacher as the 
teacher who's been in the classroom for a while, helping that new person feel comfortable learning about them the same way we learn about a new child. What do they like to do? What do they like to eat? What do they do on the weekends? Those kinds of things that build a strong team relationship because those are the feelings, the emotions, that warmth that you can hopefully build as a team. Not that you have to live in each other's back pocket, as I say, or be best friends, but that you have a warm enough relationship so that you're modeling for the children effective communication, communication about how the day is going to go, uh, that you're sending similar messages in terms of behavior expectations, that one is not completely lenient and the other one is very strict, but that people are on a team and giving the same messages to the children. So forming that relationship among the adults is just as important as it is to form the relationship with the new child who enters the classroom. And hopefully if teachers are feeling really welcomed and um, supported, they, that will even help with teacher turnover. Yes, definitely. Definitely. That's the, really when a new teacher comes in to any classroom site or school, the teachers who have been there for a while are some of the, the biggest influence about whether people stay for a long time. And what's, I mean, this is really not a lot to do with class, but I've been in a lot of different schools and I've seen how people have have their own culture that they're not aware of and they're not even aware of how to welcome a new teacher in to be specific or open about, hey, this is how things are. Same way we do with children. This is where you put your stuff, right? Mm -hmm. This is where we eat lunch. This is where you can, you know, this is the nicest place to sit right? Where there's nice sun at lunchtime or whatever, like just helping people feel welcome is huge to seeing people stick around for a long time. Well, and that sounds like what we talk about that you see class everywhere and, you know, that is creating positive climate. It's just amongst colleagues instead of um, with student interactions. Right, exactly. It's the foundation. All right. Well, our next question comes from Susan, who's a coach coordinator at a Head Start in Pennsylvania. She says, another area that staff have shared concerns about is how to manage challenging behaviors in the classroom while still trying to teach the rest of the children. Any suggestions or strategies to help teachers with this issue would be greatly appreciated. Hmm. So my, my thoughts on this are that it's important to look at the class tool holistically because managing a classroom of children really takes every dimension. Every dimension supports children's effective functioning within the classroom in a different way and the way the teacher supports that um, through the strategies that we use in the different dimensions. So um, it's not just resting on the shoulders of behavior management to manage challenging behaviors. It is about positive climate and forming relationships with children. It is about being sensitive to their cues and their needs and helping them solve problems. It is about having regard and following their lead and giving them responsibilities and listening to what their ideas are. So all of the emotional support things really do contribute to setting the stage for the majority of children who need just about those kinds of things in order to function well in a classroom. And then there are children who need more additional interventions and supports on top of that. Often we set those up within uh, different strategies 
Um, but they also, in terms of things like visual schedules or clear, you know, if-then statements and things like that, um, that you'll find in different behavior management processes like conscious discipline or PBIS and those kinds of things, they, uh, everybody's sort of pointing at the same thing about building a warm connection with children first and then having clear expectations and teaching children in order to help them function well. So managing challenging behaviors, and I often try to explain to people when you look at the dimensions, productivity, and you look at behavior management, I explain those as the right and the left hand mm -hmm. of managing being outnumbered in the classroom. Because any way you slice it as a teacher, there's way more of them than there are of you. So when you are clear about your expectations and you are proactive and you redirect children to help them learn how to do something correctly, uh, and you also are uh, you're teaching your routines and your transitions are effective, right? All of these things that help the productivity, you're prepared. That's setting the stage for everybody's success and you're surviving the day <laughs> with, you know, with as little chaos as possible. Because as a preschool teacher, you kind of live right on the edge of chaos at all times, right? There's, there's just so many things that could happen at any moment. So when you look at it like that, do I have the things in place that I need to maintain order, which is what behavior management and productivity help you do um, in order to reach the probably 97% of kids who can function with that. And then when you've got all that solid, you're going to have those few children that need that extra support, those extra um, interventions that will help the really, the really challenging behaviors that often have other underlying causes, um, maybe developmental, language or cognitive things that are going on so that I think when you have those routines and the preparation and all of those things happening and you are clear about your expectations, you are able to focus on what you want children to do rather than what you don't want them to do. And when you're having warm connections with them and you're, you're following their lead and you're sensitive to their needs, that really does take care of the majority of issues. And then of course, instructional support it's frankly hard to get to that unless you have the other two, the other two domains really solid. You're going to only get to a certain level of depth in instructional support. And when you're able to engage children like that, really finding things out together, exploring, discovering, thinking about connections and having great conversations and um, learning about communicating together, that can happen way easier when you have the other pieces in place. If students are really engaged in what you have planned and you have everything prepared, usually that will cut down on behavior issues when they're, mm -hmm. they're engaged. But like you were saying, you can't get to that point until you have some of those, those basic routines set. And I think one thing that, um, that it's hard to remember is that it's really finding out do they even know what you're asking them to do. You know, the simplest things of, you said, go hang up your coat, but do they really know what that looks like for you? Exactly. So teaching explicitly really everything it is that you want them to do. That's one of the first questions I'll, I often ask a teacher when they say, well, he's just, you know, causing all kinds of problems or whatever, you know, whatever the problem of the day is. Like, well, 
does he know what the expectation is? Have you actually taught that expectation when you're saying that we have to sit together on the rug in a certain way, or we have to stand in line a certain way or whatever the, you know, moving about a school requires, have you really taught that expectation or is it unspoken? And then you end up the day, you know, spending the day mostly frustrated at having to put out fires all over the place. And I think, you know, the other thing that you were just um, saying too about that's really points at instructional learning formats is it's sort of like the pivot place where you can start getting into more depth, right? When you have interesting activities, you have great materials, right? You're clear about what that you want the children to learn and you're really facilitating it, not just monitoring, standing off to the side, observing, but really in it with them. And you're engaged in the materials. Children will gravitate toward you and often want to be, you know, when it's an interesting conversation they're having with you, they'll want to be there and engaged more often than not in a positive way. Uh, it's your opportunity to model that sort of curiosity and wondering together and in terms of instructional learning formats. So kind of like that, the, the pivot point between emotional support, classroom organization, and instructional support, it, it kind of hinges on instructional learning formats in that way, managing children's um, engagement throughout the day. It's always interesting. It's always exciting in classrooms to see what new challenges children bring every day. The most important thing I would say that I've learned um, working with other teachers who are curious about children too is to I learning from this situation with this child when we look at it as like oh my gosh this is so challenging or this kid is ah, pulling my hair out I don't know what to do but they have brought you this opportunity to learn something um, and it's really really hard to get there but I learned that from my friend Kea who's um, lives on Kauai and I worked there for years and she really helped me always frame it in terms of what is this child bringing to us so that we can learn and grow so that we'll know more the next time a child with this situation shows up? And gosh, that's hard. <laughs> it's a really hard thing to remember or put yourself in that place all the time to stay on that positive um, side of things. So I hope that teachers out there who are struggling have somebody they can turn to that has that positive perspective on things because it can make such a huge difference in your stamina for getting through each day. Somebody like that for you there. Kate, thank you so much for your expertise and for being a brave first participant. And I hope you'll come back and be featured in future podcasts. Oh, that would be fun. I hope that there will be lots of people um, sending us more questions and things to think about together. Thanks, Kate. And stay put. We have one last question that we head back to Mary Margaret for. All right, so this question is, where can new teaching staff find resources and ideas to get started? Our new hires aren't equipped to handle challenging behaviors and don't have a toolbox of ideas to help them. So this really reminds me of my early director days and bringing staff in. And everybody wants to do the best job you can, but you're pretty surprised because nobody really talks to you about how you manage behavior. Mm. And so lots of new teachers um, end up doing what I consider over-controlling and not really trusting the children to help them to guide the classroom. And so it is a common 
problem. And I think if I, if I had my way, new teachers would learn a lot about uh, what the developmental stages, mm -hmm. and emo especially around emotions and impulse control and self-regulation for, for the age level that they're working with. So that, um, for instance, a two-year-old that's yelling no at you is really being a two-year-old. And how do you mm -hmm. handle that? Or a four-year-old that is getting upset because their friends are saying they can't go to their birthday party no. <laughs> is doing that because that is something that they're really beginning to understand, that words really have some sort of meaning, and they're trying to figure out peer relationships. So understanding who the kids are is certainly a, a great first step. And I would look at milestones of child development, um, and also there's plenty of great we're, uh, things that we have on our uh, website, uh, ebooks, webinars, um, there's really nice free resources at our teachdown.com website that you can go in and look for specific um, vlogs or blogs, again, um, ebooks and white papers and things like that that'll give you some support. But if you really can find um, the way to get there, we have some really great trainings around um, intentionality and teaching. And we know that when we are connecting with children and giving them an organized experience where they trust us and they um, are clear on what their parameters, what the rules are, mm -hmm. and they have plenty to do, and they're interested and excited about the materials we have, we create those teachable moments that really are the heart of why we're at teaching. Why What we're really there for is to connect with the children and to help them learn. And I think behavior gets in the way sometimes, managing behavior. Sure, sure. And for me, when I was a new teacher, watching other teachers was such a help. Just seeing the little tricks that they had to handle transitions, to handle Absolutely. lining up. And so if you don't have someone else to watch, maybe some of those the videos. Yeah, so that's um, great. We have the video library, which is something that you can get through Teachstone. And you can look at actual, um, there are a couple, two, three-minute vignettes of um, different behaviors that are considered effective mm -hmm. when we look at the class tool. But it does give you some really great ideas on how you might manage something. It doesn't mean that you have to do exactly what the teacher does sure. in the video, but it does help you um, notice the things that other teachers are doing. And, have, and there's some reflective um, focus text there around that as well. We also have um, our class dictionary, and mm -hmm. that is really cool. It gives us a sort of a scenario. Um, we have it, I believe, for in <coughs> infants, toddlers, and pre-K students right now, and it's just this really cool spiral-bound um, little notebook, and you can look up a particular domain or dimension, and then what do those behaviors look like, and mm -hmm. strategies to use in your classroom. And that helps you be more reflective as well. And I believe we still have the dimensions guides as well, which is really um, a great resource that works really well for teachers. Well, thank you so much You're for coming welcome. in today. Well, let's do it again soon. Appreciate <laughs> it. <laughs>